Pulp MX Network production. Thanks for all the support, Pulp MX fans. The Pulp MX app is now available for both iPhone and Android-based phones. For all your moto needs, shop at btosports.com and use the current discount code STEVE, S-T-E-V-E. And don't forget to click the Amazon banner on pulpmx.com when purchasing anything from Amazon. It's the Steve Mathis Show, brought to you by RacerX, presented by BTOsports.com. The original moto podcast featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast show. Motocross the Nation's wrap-up. Uh, just got back from Belgium, and uh, I picked up a cold along with some Belgian waffles. Uh, I'm your host, Steve Mathis. With me on the line is uh, Racer X's head boss, uh, Davey Coombs. What's up, Davey? Bonjour. Bonjour. And, uh, and also the Weege, who, who took it in from afar on TV in America, watching Team USA's seven-year win streak uh, crashing into the sand. Um, but I guess let's, I'll start it off right away. Um, and then we you you probably got some questions about the 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 race, but Davey, um, surprised? No, not that surprised at all. I uh, I remember the morning of the race talking to um, one of uh, the the guys in the press room and saying, you know, we'll be okay if we go three three three, and then by that I meant you know Ryan, yeah. Blake, and and Justin because uh, getting over there and seeing. Just how different the, the the sand was and the configuration of the track, and also there was just a palpable air that the the Americans were susceptible on this one. Mm-hmm. And uh, as it began to unfold, it, it, it was obvious that that it was going to be a struggle uh, on on Saturday and the timing and qualifying and on Sunday. And the fastest guys at that track won, uh, and then the most well-rounded team won uh, as far as the results go. And, and I congratulate Germany, but, uh, hey, we were 7-0. and Now we're 7-1. and I'm okay with that. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I speaking, speaking to Mitch Payton after the race, and he mentioned something that I thought about, too. I thought USA was going to win. I, I really did. I was telling Adam Wheeler and Jeff Meyer and a few people who asked me my opinion. I thought USA would, could come through on consistency. Um, I'd been to the GP there last year, so I knew how fast those guys went. But having said that, talking to Mitch Payton after the race, he goes, we saw right away in Saturday practice, you don't just make up those kind of seconds <laughs> with some suspension <laughs> tuning. You know what I mean? And I think that, that that's, a, that's really true. Right from the get-go, USA, it was going to be a, more of a struggle than I thought. Well, I think that uh... – you know, it, it, it'd be easy to, to, to say, okay, we weren't prepared or, okay, we didn't know what to expect. But, you know, I have to give our guys credit. And by that, I mean Team USA. They went over, what, 10 days early? Yeah. You know, they, they, they hit the problem head on. I think Roger DeCoster, more than anyone, knew that we'd have our hands full because, you know, the lay of the land is different in America now. Our guys spend six months racing on hard-packed stadium tracks, and then they spend three and a half months racing a variety of outdoor stuff. There is no Supercross in Europe. They, they get a lot more time to just ride outdoor motocross. 
But that's not an excuse. That is the fact of the matter. And Tony Caroli, who is not uh, a, a purebred sand rider, I mean, S- Sicily has less sand than probably California does. Man, he, he moved there to Belgium a few years back, and like Grant Langston, he put his head down and he figured it out. And I have all the respect in the world for Tony Caroli. He was definitely the fastest man on the planet on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, it, it, uh, it was interesting, too. Well, and, and again, the excuses, maybe these are taken as excuses, but it wasn't a sand track in Latvia or a sand track in um, the southern tip of France. It's literally within five miles, almost every guy rides there during the week. So, you know, on top of being a sand track, which we have Southwick, but it's not a true sand track, on top of all that, the the track itself is used as a practice track during the week for many of the guys that yeah. beat America. You know, so... It, it, well. but, but, but it's not like they're riding, you know, you know, Tuchenthal or, or, or you know, Geldorf or, or, you know, any of those other tracks. So even Valkensward, uh, where I was, you know, for the first GP last year, the sand, it, I mean, you literally drive through Valkensward on the way to Lomo. Yep. But it must all be downhill because <laughs> it was like a bottomless pit. And uh, I enjoyed the event immensely. I, I, I think that we as uh, uh, Americans, or in your case, Steve, uh, illegal aliens living in Las <laughs> Vegas, uh, in America, um, we, you know, have to be really happy that uh, we did have a chance. And, uh, and we'll have a chance next year and the next year and the next year. And, and our guys tried really hard. It just wasn't their day. And, and um, it really, you know, we, I don't know how it looked on TV, but in person, it, it was pretty obvious from the get-go that, uh, you know, something was afoot. And um, I, I can't imagine what it was like watching it go down on TV. Well, it was funny, Davey, because Weej and I were tag-teaming the tweets and I, I could see Wygat was doing the math for the Fed. <laughs> and it was like, after the first motor, he's like, okay, USA has, you know, 800, Germany has four. Uh, yeah. Okay. After yeah. the second moto, okay, guys, uh, USA, I think, has, you know, 700, Germany has two. <laughs> We're going to need yeah. a big effort <laughs> in the third moto. <laughs> yeah. Well, because I think the point that's missed is that, honestly, the last couple of years of this event, um, you know, in 07 at Bud's Creek, the United States dominated, but the last couple of wins have come down to the last moto. It's often been very close. Even last year, they were behind going to the last moto, and then the Ryans put off that amazing, you know, one two performance. So it. You, based on that, you could always have the hope, well, they've been behind before, and in the last moto they can pull it out. It seems like the pressure, they rise at the occasion, or the other teams have problems, whatever it is. But the problem was this time not the math. The problem was <laughs> you could see that they were not going to go 1-2 in the final moto and pull it out. Like there was, the speed just wasn't there in this terrain. Yeah, the math could have been overcome on a different track, but they weren't going 1-2 here to make up those points. Yeah, and... and, and... You know, you got to give credit, again, to Team Germany. They've waited to have a success in Belgium for, wow. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but you know what? They had the most enthusiastic uh, fans there to, to a large degree. Uh, I, I know Ken Roxon had something to prove. Uh, he blew my mind with how good of a sand rider he was because that, that was a different Ken Roxon in many ways than we saw at Southwick. Uh, he rode with confidence. He rode with uh, with uh, a lot of passion, and um, I think that, that that he and Max Noggle and and, and Schiffer 
realized that they they had a shot, and and if they didn't seize the day, um, it wasn't gonna it wasn't gonna happen. And then the other teams like you know Holland, Hurlings, still I I I think that if things had fallen differently, he would have been the individual winner, but they didn't. And 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 Caroli loses his guy, his wingman, in a go kart accident on yeah. Friday night, and um, so that that kind of changes. You know, you know, the Dutch aren't going to win, yeah, and and, and Italy's not going to win. So those guys get to go out and race, and 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 we we ended up beating Holland in Italy, but but um, Belgium and Germany put together really solid team efforts and. Um, as a fan of motocross, I, I know sometimes it can be kind of a bummer when your guys don't win or kind of painful. We're so fortunate as Team USA fans. I mean, you got to be happy for Germany. They, they, they really were Team USA in 1981 in this case. They were the guys that, that came in and, and, and no one really thought Germany was going to win. And, and, and they pulled it off. And, uh, that was kind of neat to see. But I just realized something in talking to you two guys. Belgium has not been our friend since the early 80s. I mean, I think they're still mad <laughs> that we got the Coster. You know, and we won a couple times, but we got destroyed in Nimes in 97. Uh, Zolder, we lost in 03. And uh, we didn't even go to Namur in 01 because of, you know, yeah. 9-11. So we, we've lost the last three times in Belgium. And uh, you'd think that they treat us better, you know. <laughs> I uh, well, as I wrote in my column, observations column. If anything, the race gave me more respect for the 1981 team. <laughs> uh, absolutely, I mean, absolutely. How, how did they come to that sand? And it wasn't even America's best riders at the time. You know, it was thrown together by uh, Dave Arnold and Roger DeCoster, and it was basically Team Honda. And you know, how did they beat those guys in that sand? That to me was even was even more of a miracle. Um, oh, I, I think that, that that it was a case of of um, everything lined up the right way, and and you know I I I saw uh, you know my 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 good friend but definite bench racing opponent, MX Jeff Meyer had wrote what was different about 1981 in Lomo and 2012. In 1981, no one gave us a chance, uh, and we turn around and. One thirteen straight, uh, seventeen if you add the trophy designations each year. Um, mm-hmm. This year we were on a winning streak. You know the, the whole world is is different, and no one takes America or Team USA for granted. Uh, but the lay of the land in America again has changed. There was only you know half. There wasn't Supercross wasn't that predominant in eighty one as it is now. Danny Laporte grew up in the desert. Chuck Sun was uh, an amazing sand rider. Uh, Johnny O'Mara and Donnie Hansen uh, were truly uh, at the at the at the brink of of stardom. Those guys were just getting ready to to become heroes. So it was a young team and it was an underrated team, and and they had Roger DeCoster. This year, you know, our guys were no older than 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 those guys were back in '81. The weight of the world was on them. They're, they're, you know, it, it, no one, you know, was going to give the Americans a chance to make a mistake and not seize the opportunity. And it was Germany's turn to be, you know, the 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 underdog. And they stepped up and they knocked it out of the park. And so, what's changed? 
we have 23 Peter Chamberlain trophies. You know, <laughs> 23 more than we had in 81. Right. Uh, and I, if Germany wins 23 in the next 35 years, I think that'll be a pretty cool deal. Right. But, man, I, I think that Italy's due. I think that France is going to make a comeback. And I have a feeling Australia and South Africa and all these other places, it, it, it's just way more competitive now, both, both, both in Europe, in America, and in the rest of the world. And that event you know, at the pre-race show, they had a really interesting, they had Eric Abors on, and they asked him about those early years of, um, of the United States winning, and, and they won in pretty dominant fashion some of those years in the 80s. You know, there were some real dream teams. And he thinks that the big difference was the, you know, Supercross coming of age here. The American riders got so skilled, so aggressive, and learned to sprint and get starts and all these things that Europe was so far behind on. So for a good eight or ten years, it was just, they were just so far superior in all those aspects. The world's so much smaller now, you know, the riders scrub just the same in Europe as they do here. It's like that it took Europe, say, 10 or 15 years to catch up to that first shell-shocking. And now maybe the playing field's a little more equal, so then the track maybe can tilt things, whereas before they were going to win. That's why I wasn't that worried coming in, because I thought, well, if you've won 22 out of 30, you've pretty much handled every challenge that could be thrown your way. How could one track completely turn things around 180 degrees? Well, the sure you know, again, did. You back, back to the times, the Florida Winterham series was still relevant, uh, yeah. much more so than it is now, and there were other sand tracks on the schedule, and... Uh, it, it's just different. Those, those those are excuses, but to your point about the world being sort of a smaller place, uh, with with Erica Boers and, and everyone over there did not have in the eighties that that the the Ken Roxons and the Tony Carolis and everyone had is 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 an opportunity to see what technique is evolving out of you know right. Monster Energy Supercross and see. You know and what is going on in the the Lucas Oil Motocross Nationals? It's all right there on the internet. You you don't have to go to you know Tony Blazer's you know site to see you know what's <laughs> happening in in California with Adam Cincerello or what's happening down in Cairo, Georgia. Whatever technique is 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 rising up through the ranks. Uh, you know the kid in Belgium and the kid in Holland and the kid in England and even the kids in Pennsylvania see it. Right away, yep. and 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 then also, you know, between between you know seeing all the the Supercross and Outdoor Nationals on TV all over the world, you know, these guys are you know, there are kids scrubbing on some of those jumps that uh, I was you, you'd yeah. think it was Loretta Lynn's regional somewhere. It was it was pretty neat to see. Uh, but then again, Ken Diker is still Ken Diker. He is. He is. He is. <laughs> and he's like a tractor. He's he, he's such a neat dude and. The, and but, but he's a throwback. Let's not forget, Ken got 11th at Hangtown on a basically stock Yamaha uh, yeah, a couple years yeah. ago, which is more yeah. than adequate for showing up at a first round of an AMA National. Um, I I was thinking to myself more like, I wonder if Ryan Dungey and Justin Barsher even know who Tano Leok is because he's disappearing from them right now. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I was watching and I kept thinking, did it look like Chad Reed in – Russia in, in right. 2009. Right. I was like, Suzuki Rider? I know I know that guy. Right. But, but uh, you know, it, it, there's been a lot of back and forth going on and stuff I've seen online. And, uh, you know, in the press tent, we had some good old-fashioned jousting and everything. But, you know, at the end of the day, we can't expect to win them all. Because unless you're Ricky Carmichael, you can't 
win them all. Unless you're Stephen Everett, you really can't win them all. And, uh, you know, I, th- I think we sent the three best riders available at the time when Roger had to make a decision, and we could second-guess it to death, and you could, you know, say, you know, next year we'll send Villapoto, Kennard, and Alessi, you know, or whoever. Yeah. And, and I would feel just as good about that team as I did this team. But the track was the, the, the real, uh, the real m- monster within that we, we had to deal with. And there's just no place like that in America. I'm, I'm yeah. sorry. I, it, 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 was, it was really cool to see such a famous track, in, at least in the, the U.S. history books, Lomo, and have it be actually rougher than you ever imagined as a mm-hmm. kid. I, I was blown away by that. I remember we went and tested there before o three Zolder race on the Wednesday, Wednesday or Thursday before the race. Roger took us there as a team. Rhino didn't go, but uh, anyways, and Red Dog was out there, and and it was just a practice track then. It was no longer a GP track. It was before it got put back on the schedule, and there was some guy with no numbers on an all black Honda that blew around the outside of Red Dog, and he came in. He was like, "Do you see that guy?" And 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 the Rinaldi guys were laughing. They're like, "He probably doesn't even race. He just lives <laughs> around here." And he rides this track, and he's a Sandman. And, and the guy went around the outside of Timmy, and Red Dog actually looked over at him. It was just just an example of you got it or you don't at that place, yeah. you know. Yeah. Uh, and, we, yeah. And 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 I I do think that that you know that said, uh, man, you got to give credit to Caroli because uh, he's amazing on hardback. He's great in the rough stuff, right. but he was a, a truly uh, a revelation to watch the, the way he was riding. And, and, you know, it wasn't like it was a runaway at first. Like, Noggle looked good. Uh, you know, I think Ryan, you know, it was obvious that he was struggling with the setup and, and everything, but, but Tony is not the only fast guy in the sand. I truly thought Hurlings would be the fastest guy mm-hmm. and, and was, was somewhat surprised, but really happy for Tony Caroli. It was, you know, after not winning the designations six or seven times, um, I, that yeah. he's a good dude, and and he's a great champion, and uh, he's had an amazing year, and and I don't think any U.S. fan should underrate uh, how fast Tony Caroli truly is, and and how versatile he is. He may not ride Supercross, but I think that's a smart move. If you don't grow up racing Supercross, if you don't get over here soon enough, uh, it can be tough to uh, tough to learn. Weege, what 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 did you take away from the event? Did, did now I've seen Caroli in a couple of GPS. And written about him, and spoke. And the guy blows me away. And Davey's seen him here and there over the years. Do you have more respect for Antonio Caroli today than you did, or, or you know, what do you think? You know, he had had so much bad luck at this race the last couple of years, and I started. I started having this theory with this event. The United States is almost always able to avoid some rider wadding it up, hurting himself, massive first turn crashes, bike problems. You know, the things that always plague all the other teams, seem, it seems like the United States team can avoid it, to the point where I start thinking, is this not a coincidence? Are they a little bit more consistent or a little more calm, or they're thinking about the bigger picture as opposed to just going out and winning, and is that the difference between while everyone else, like Caroli, every year seems to go out and have a problem, and the Americans' top guy usually doesn't. So I was really starting to wonder if there was an issue there, was it beyond bad luck? Was it was it pressure or something like that? But um, that's been erased now. I, I don't think it really changed the way I think of him as a rider. I mean, what can you say? Six world championships, and especially the way he dominated the second half this year when he was really under duress for a while, 
in points. I, I, I can't say that my respect went up because it was already right. pretty darn high. But um, as far as finally he showed that he can do it on this stage, that goes a long way. I mean, last year, what did he make it? About 100 feet into the race and right. down in the first turn <laughs> and out. And, 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 and in Italy in, in 2009, I, I think he was – uh, the fastest guy there. Uh, you know, I don't. Yeah. I don't think that Chad Reed ever, you know, goes to the destinations with his best stuff because it's it's not, you know, it's not as much a priority I think for him. And yet, you know, he he was right there with Tony, and and you thought it was going to come down the last moto, and 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 you know, both the Italians crash on the first lap. Chad Reed crashes with. Caroli, Mike Byrne crashes with Villaparts, you know, yeah. and that, that's it. You know, it was, or Guinari, I think it was. Yeah, it was Guinari. Yeah, um, so it's the, stuff like that that never happened to the U.S., and then all of a sudden that stuff started to happen. Not only were they not fast enough, but then all those things started to happen that normally don't happen in the United States, starting with the rising fence on Saturday. <laughs> uh, I think the only guy who had more fun with that was, than me was Davey. <laughs> That's why the only way we could have won, and and, and <laughs> sorry, I, I I felt bad for Chuck's son because he was in the wrong place at the right time, right. or the right place at the wrong time. Right. I'd have done the exact same thing. All he did, he didn't touch the bike. He he, Barsha was not going anywhere. That green fence is the bane of every GP rider's existence, and it was only a matter of time before one of our guys really got caught in it. It was it was almost Wyndham in '05, uh, Villapoto at, at Matterley Basin, uh, even even last year with Baggett having to go under a fence, and yeah. but but no one has been truly tackled like like Barsha was, and to have Chuck Sun there, it was like having Chuck Norris there. If Chuck Norris had a really cool jacket on, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, poor Chuck. No, but 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 he he did what I think right. anybody would have done. He tried to help, and um, it wouldn't have mattered. It, it just it just did. It was funny that 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 uh, uh, the ghost of Team USA, who's actually a living, breathing ghost, Chuck's son, you know, would be yeah. right there in in our time of need. And um, yeah, we we had some fun with it and. The, the 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 idea on Sunday morning was that we would win because it was Chuck Sunday, and Sunday <laughs> means motocross. Right. And then I forgot the Nationals are on Saturday. Right, damn it. Weege, oh. <laughs> uh, what did you think of the track on TV? Well, that's the thing I, I need you guys to illustrate. It honestly didn't look that gnarly on TV. The only thing that that made you realize that something, that it was different than a normal track wasn't the track itself. It was the results. When you saw Hurlings just gone, just absolutely gone uh, yeah. in, in, the, in the second moto, uh, Crowley had a little bit of a challenge, uh, a little bit of a challenge early on, even in his race on Saturday did. And then you saw Dungey just struggling, like you were kind of waiting. I mean, we're programmed after three straight years of Dungey doing really well in the Nationals. You're kind of programmed when you see Dungey in fourth or fifth. You know it's coming at some point. The, the, the steam yeah. engine's going to get rolling. He's gonna, the guys are going to get tired. He's gonna, and you're just waiting and waiting, and it's not happening and Hurlings is a gigantic lead, et cetera, et cetera. And you're saying, okay, this must be different. <laughs> but in no way did any, I would assume the picture was the same thing as the television cameras. It did not in any way do the track justice. It must have been so much more gnarly in person. What, what blew my mind was, was not how rough the track was. Like I said, I, 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 was, I was 
you know, it was it was neat to see something that you thought was bigger than life as a kid and have it, in fact, be bigger than life. Um, but the only track work that they did on most of the track, 90% of the track, was just letting people walk on it. And, you know, it's such a different um, prep, uh, a different philosophy from what we do in the States where we, we, we you know, really meticulously work on the tracks and, well, you know, try to leave them rough, but, you know, th- there was no need for watering. There was no need for any of that. It was just, they just left it. And, and I, I, I can't help but think that somebody, you know, a long time ago thought, okay, Lomo will always favor the home team, the Belgians, and because and, those guys could ride in the sand. I mean, I remember talking to DeCoster way back in the day about, you know, how good guys like Andre Vromans and Gerard Rond and Mark Velkineers and, you know, local guys like that were in, in the sand, you know, that we never saw in America. Well, now that, you know, as you said, Steve, uh, so many guys live in that area between Eindhoven, Valkensward, Lomo, Lerope, uh, Maastricht, you know, because there's, there's good riding there. It's, it's good accessibility to all the GPs and whatnot. Those guys are all locals. And, and, and you know, no different than guys are locals at Anaheim. You know, they might not actually get to ride the track all the time, but there's a yeah. comfort and, a, and an understanding that, you know, that's what you, you do when you go race at Anaheim. And uh, so, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't tipped in anyone's favor but we don't have anything like that that balances it out. And our guys were, it was like riding on a different planet. So I guess that's how I could describe how rough it was. It was, it was beyond description, but it was also, you know, kind of unsettling that our guys really never had a chance. Kyle Chisholm told me that he, he was like, he loves the sand. He, he, he said it was his dream to race at Lomel before, before he got there. And uh, it's no longer his dream. But he, 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 he just said there's just nowhere to rest, Mathis. There's just nowhere where you can sit down for a second and, and take a breath and, and, you know, regroup. There's just nowhere, he said. So he was uh, pretty surprised at how bad it was or how rough it was. And he loves the sand. He, hadn't, he, yeah. he, he thought he was going to do great. And, 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 and you know, kind of you know, along that, that, that line – where was Zach Osborne in Kyle Chisholm? I mean, those guys are very good sand riders, but that track did not cut anybody any slack. Marvin Muscan, who has now had, what, three bad years at the Des Nations? You know, he, he's now like Tony Caroli. He's totally due uh, to, to do something good. Um, it, was, it was not, you know, that, that track was tough for everybody, mm-hmm. and that's why you have to give it up to Germany for winning, to Caroli and Hurlings and Roxon for winning their classes. And, uh, and I think for our guys for just getting out there and trying, they never quit. They, they went to the podium, even though hell had been who knows when since they were the third step on the podium at a Des Nations. But, yeah. man, they, they were sincere. They were respectful. And after the race, Ryan Dungey actually apologized to me. And I was like, man, you just spent two weeks of your life living in a hotel in Eindhoven, Holland. Yeah. You have nothing to apologize for. I can't believe you didn't, you know, well, aren't already thinking about Monster Cup because, you know, that's, that's coming up and that's a big deal because uh, there's a lot of fast guys coming back and, and, and it's a chance to win a million dollars. And, but, you know, 
Ryan, like like Ricky Carmichael, like Ryan Villapoto when he's not hurt, like Andrew Short, like like Justin Barsha and Blake Baggett, they answer the call when they're asked to ride for Team USA. And that's the other thing that's different about 1981. Our best guys desire to be on that team, and they'll they'll take on all challenges. And it, that's that's changed over the years, and that's a good thing. Yep, it's that time again. Time for a commercial. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the BTO Sports dot com racer x podcast show listen to these commercials from btosports.com use the code steve and jt racing thank you jt racing for coming on board listen to these commercials support the sponsors and yeah then we'll get back to the show thanks for listening to the btosports.com podcast show please don't forget that bto is the world leader in aftermarket motocross parts for the bike our body You'll find deals like a Shoei VFXW helmet for $309.99, 45% off, or Smith Piston goggles for $32.99, 65% off. Your order can be shipped at anywhere in the USA for free. Or if you're not in the USA, we ship worldwide. Check it out at btosports.com. JT Racing USA is back to reestablish its deep roots in the motocross industry with an all-new, innovative line of racewear and casual wear. While bringing many of JT's strongest design elements from its golden years back to life, the racewear is constructed with the highest grade material on the market and has a technological fit, feel, and function that is sure to raise the bar in how motocross gear is being built. JT has relaunched itself back into motocross with the Pro Tour jersey, classic pants, lifeline, and flex field gloves in eight colorways with an assortment of men's and women's casual wear to add to its collection. By redefining the meaning of airflow, JT has incorporated its airline system technology into this collection and have launched their all-new ALS2 helmet in seven colorways to complete the rebirth of the brand. The wait is over. Bench racing here at Wygant. Anything that um, you thought could have been different from your end of things, just watching it, like any anything you know, uh, would you have done differently? Here, here's, yeah. here's the thing. I feel that from what I could tell, like I said, seeing how much faster Hurlings was, seeing how much faster Crowley was. And, and Roxon is the ultimate yardstick, really. I know he didn't win the motos, but that's apples to apples. To see him and Baggett when they battled at Southwick, and not even the reverse, even more so. I mean, Baggett barely beat him in a moto at Southwick, but no one was even close to Ro- Roxon beat Dungey on a 250. That really shows you how different the playing field is over there. And Southwick's a bad comparison. I think we all know that. They have nothing more in common except you'd call them a sand track, but otherwise they're not even close. But still, the way Roxon stepped up was amazing. Uh, but I do think that, you know, going into the race, I think there was still maybe a little controversy over Barsha having that MX3 spot. Well, I think now there's no reason to even think about that because you could tell no matter who was on that team, no matter how things went that day, I feel like they could have run that race 50 times <laughs> and Team USA yeah. was not going to win one of them. It just wasn't going to happen unless there was phenomenal bad luck. And unless he wouldn't have done any better, and I feel like the luckiest guy of all is Ryan Villapoto because I don't see how he would have been. Villapoto and Dungey are a fairly close match most of the time outdoors. Unless for some reason on this track Villapoto was going to be phenomenally better than Dungey, right. he would have been in the same situation flailing to try to get a top three or top five, and he gets to avoid that on his resume, where unfortunately Dungey had to look straight into the barrel and know, okay, on this track, on this day, I had nothing for these guys. Villapoto gets to avoid that. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to disagree with one thing you said, Jay, Jason. Yeah. Yeah. If you run that race 50 times, no, if you run that yeah. race two times, 
Brian Dungy gets to go over and say, I want those settings. I want what's on that bike. And there was some real back and forth, as I understand it, of not a lot of cooperation of guys who rode a similar bike. I mean, you race for your country over there. You may all be under the KTM tent, and you may all be under the Honda tent. You may all be under you know, the, the, the Kawasaki tent, but there wasn't a lot of experience that they were working with. And, and, and I think that given the opportunity to, to have a, a, a rematch, our guys don't get beat that bad. And, uh, no, I don't I also, think I mean, I I also mean think run that, 50 consecutive weekends. I mean, no, like, no, no, I know that. But I, on I, that I do, date, the first time they ever went there, you know, it wasn't luck. It was the best guys won. Um, and I, I, yeah, I agree. 50 weeks I agree. in a row, but, for sure. But, but yeah. I, I think that I think that you can, you could if 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 Villapoto were in fact there, if if you know, it would be as alien to him as anyone. I, I agree a hundred percent. But I think our guys will and could learn if given the chance. Uh, but it turns out you can't get a lifetime of San Ryan experience together in, in ten days. In ten days. Yeah, uh, and, and but but not you know again. Caroli only moved there in oh four oh five and. Uh, he did learn it, and, and you have to respect that. I, uh, in speaking with Bones, uh, Bacon, suspension guy for Pro Circuit, I, I, you know, I'm a little more, uh, being an ex-mechanic, I'm more interested in this sort of stuff. But I said, okay, so what would you start with? He goes, I brought our Southwick settings. I said, okay, so at the beginning you wrote three sand tracks in, in 10 days, and then today, and, and he goes, yep. And he goes, and I, we're so far off our Southwick settings, it's not even funny. I brought everything I could possibly think of, including the kitchen sink, to this to this race because I didn't know what we were in for, and I needed it all. He said, <laughs> "You know, springs, shims, uh, spacers, everything." Um, they were far off their Southwick setting, which they knew they would be. But I think Bones was very surprised at how much he he went, uh, how yeah. far he went. And and, and speaking of that, I I do want to say, whether it was Bones or Mitch Payton or Roger or Beaker. Uh, Marshall Plum, Brock Glover, you know, all those guys that went over early to help out, uh, to, 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 you know, Jeff Canfield, Tommy Carson, you know, there, there, there were people that took their vacations and paid their own way and went over to try and, and pitch in. And I think we all should be proud of that. You know, we, we didn't win, but, you know, it, it wasn't, you know, getting thirds, not bad unless you're, Team USA, <laughs> right, you know, yeah, that, yeah. that kind of is, but you know, it it it, it was definitely uh, a bridge too far, but it was awesome to see. A doom and too I just, far? I just got the 2013 numbers. It just popped up on my screen. Oh wow! Blake uh, Baggett chose number chose number four. Yep. He asked for um, I forget what he I forget what he, the person guys told me. He what did he ask for? Blake Warden took 13. Oh, Weimer moved back up to 12. Yeah, Weimer wanted 12, but Baggett was going to go uh, yeah, single. T- yeah, Brock Tickles, 20. Marvin took 25. Of course, Kenny took 94. Uh, <laughs> God, now we don't have to listen to him for another, for ever again. Yeah, <laughs> and Barsha took 51. That's yeah. cool. Um, we're all in agreement. Barsha to Diker move was just racing, right? And no one – I mean, the, the, bo- oh, yeah. the boards and the some of the media guys, but we're – that's just racing. I think there was a lot of just racing out there. I, I didn't see yeah. anything untoward. I didn't see anyone leaning on a start. I didn't see anyone holding anyone up. Yeah. 
uh, I think that was a survival race for everybody, including Ken the Diker. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, yeah, I mean, it just, hey, we got third. What, uh, what do you make of this, Davey? And, and Weege, you can give me your opinion, too. But I was a little disappointed in some of the media guys who were taking great delight in USA losing, in, U- in Blake Baggett getting lapped, um, uh, in booing on the podium, the fans. And now that, that's the fans, so it's a little different. But, you know, fans were booing USA on the podium. I was a little bummed. I, I felt like, hey, guys, like, first of all, if you're in the media or, you, you know, you're just, just be objective here and watch, you know, hopefully we see a good race and, 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 and all that. And then the fans booing, I was like, really, guys? Wow, okay. Um, you know? The fans will, the fans, you know, whether it's, Ricky Carmichael at Anaheim or James Stewart at Southwick or, mm-hmm. or Team USA in Belgium. I mean, that's the nature of fans. They are, they are fanatics. Right. Believe me, there's a lot of alcohol consumed on the infield at the Motocross of Nations. <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, you know, Heavy laid the crown, you know, and, and, and Team USA has worn that crown for seven years, and it was not going to be pleasant when it fell off. And, and, and that's kind of what happened. You know, back in 91, 92, 93, when, when guys started really kind of begging off the team because right. the pressure was growing. And, uh, you know, the world's a smaller place. The media cycle's quicker. The fans uh, have a deep, you know, more of an appetite. You have to expect some of that behavior. Uh, but, you know, as soon as the race was over, I got a, a, an email from an old friend over in England with a picture of Dungey, and it says, is this the world's fastest amateur? And I kind of cringed, but it was a, it was a touche from way back in 86, 87 when, you know, right. Jody called Dave Thorpe the world's fastest novice. And okay, yeah. Those right. people never forget that stuff. <laughs> and, and, and I've had to apologize for some of the things that were on our site that uh, were men as satire, but you were know, men as jokes, but... Sometimes the translation disappears on its way across the ocean. You know, people don't understand that, you know, we're, we're, we're just having fun, too. So I, I'm sure that everyone was appreciative of Team USA being there. I am sure that, you know, all the journalists in Europe will get over themselves. But I'm also sure we're going to have our hands full next year. Because yeah. Germany is, is, is not going to uh, want this to be a one-time-in-66-years thing. And right. Caroli's going to, you know, probably have a, a 100% team if he can keep Lupino off go, golf carts or go-karts <laughs> go-karts or whatever he was on. Yeah. And um, the French will be good. If Australia's healthy, they're, they're due. So I think you just got to, you know, pick, uh, pick up the tear-offs you had left and what do you, go, go back to work and start focusing on 2013. What do you make of it, Weege? The sort of anti, like anybody but U.S., A-B-U, anybody but U.S., is that... Yeah, that'd be ABUS. That'd be ABUSA. Yeah, or 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 just ABBA somewhere over there. They, I, I feel like on the journalist side, I don't I don't quite understand that. Um, like I try very hard myself to to try to, like it's not my job to root for the American team. I, I had a pretty fun joust going back and forth all week with Adam Wheeler, who handles our our GP coverage. He's like, are you going to donations? And I said, no. He's like, not confident of your, not confident. You guys can you guys can handle it, huh? And I'm like, well, I guess not. That's why we're asking you to help us. And he's like, no, confident of your team's chances of winning. And I'm like, oh, it's not my team. I'm not on Team USA. Like, I'm supposed to, 
I'm supposed to report on what happens at a race. I'm not supposed to. It doesn't make sense to me to go to 28, 29 races a year and we're unbiased, we're unbiased. We're not rooting for one rider over the other. And then suddenly we're all supposed to take that off and say that we. So I try very yeah, hard not to do that. But the fans, did. hey, go for it. That's the whole point. I'm all for the fans. Boot, cheer, whatever you want to do. Right. We, we, if it was Bruce Springsteen, Snooky, in the situation, <laughs> Team New Jersey, uh, you'd be a homer. You, you'd be totally, totally down with it. I got to hey, say, I, gotta... I know a sand rider who'd be very comfortable hanging out in the Holland area. Yeah, yeah, good point. Um, Would have been at home in so many ways. Uh, Davey, you've been. Davey, were you not? Were you there in England in '94? No, I was in Switzerland in '94. Were you in England in '98? No, when we when we lost. When was that? They lost to England in uh, Switzerland. In Switzerland. We lost oh, okay. To yeah, yeah. England right. in Switzerland. Okay. Yeah. In so you were yes, you were '94. You were '94. You were '97. I know you were in '03 when mm-hmm. uh, we lost there, and we lost here. What can you compare them? What were the moods like? What was the level of shock like? The well, level of shock in Roggenberg was comparable. Uh, because over there, you know, there was a lot of crazy things that happened. I and mean, Greg Albertine hit a deer, for crying out loud. Um, and, and, and Emig did his best. Rocco did his best. Kodrowski didn't have his best stuff. Added up, and man, out of the blue came... Great Britain uh-huh. with, uh, you know, Kurt, uh, Rob Herring, and, of course, Paul Malin. Um, it was just their day. Uh, I think that the, the more the more helpless feeling that I felt on Sunday uh, would be 97 in Nimes. And that's when uh, the track was just unbelievably overwatered. Uh, Emig was going through his sort of up-and-down phase. Uh, Lammy was on the team, but everyone thought Carmichael should be on the team, and that kind of added to the pressure. And then John Dow just, you know, that's not the kind of track that he really excelled on. And you could tell from the start, we just weren't going to win. And and at that point, um, you know, the, the Belgians, they had won in 95, finally, after not winning since, what, 79 or 80. And um, But it kind of just unreeled in slow motion. It, it was, you know... There wasn't a moment like Zolder in 2003 when, when, you know, Ferry's got a broken thumb, Rhino's chain pops off, but Carmichael wins walking away. We didn't win, but we, we had something we could take away, like, okay, well, right. Carmichael just beat Everts on a 250 in front of the King of Belgium. Right. You know, that was, that was a good takeaway. You really didn't have any good <laughs> take- takeaway <laughs> on Sunday, except, except the grace and the dignity that we lost with. And I mean, by that I mean the riders. Uh, yeah, it sucked to, to get the, 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 you know, the, the, the raspberry from some of the European press and some of the fans, but our guys did not let it bother them. They knew that they were going to get on a plane and go home to America and, and get ready to, to do some racing because uh, it's a long year here in the States. And that's the good thing. You don't, you don't have to wait till next March in Thailand to avenge yourself. There's a lot of big races coming up on our own shores. Well, I think all three of us feel that just by landing in JFK, they win right there. <laughs> but anyways, um, what, Davey, what, uh, what do you take of the, uh, the Des Nations um, organization 
and things like that. I mean, obviously, MX Sports. It was, it was, I was very impressed. Yeah. Uh, you know, you know, all you know, past uh, you know, bench racing wars and bidding wars aside, and all that. Uh, Ustream did a very good job. They, you know, they they have it every designation that I've gone to. Um, when I saw the first videos of Team USA practicing there, it looked like a dump. It, <laughs> it was like a quarry track. Right. Uh, and when I got there as a fan, it, it was it was it was comparable to Loretta Lynn's. And in, in that man, just this city rose up. This this shining. Thing only you know instead of the Red Bull Tower it was the Monster Tower instead of yeah. a bunch of teenage kids running around golf carts it was the most smoking hot Monster Girls I've ever seen. They were, it's they were the good. Monst- yeah, it's were the good. Monster Girls designations too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they maybe they, they they call through the best of the best and take them over there. Yeah, who won? Every fan. <laughs> um, what about um, what about wash base? Do you like those? I, like I do, but, I, but we've tried that in the States. We and, did? And, and all the teams shut it down. They, they don't want to do that. If everyone forgets there was wash bays at Gatorback, and everyone complained about it. Ah, all right. I'd love to mandate that change, and maybe one day we'll have to, because it's funny. Everyone likes it when they're at the designations, but go try to implement that at Hangtown and see okay. the, the looks you get from <laughs> the teams and the riders. Right. You know, I... I, I I love the 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 um, park for May when they 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 only let the rider go out to the gate by themselves. I love that, yep. but and Mitch Payton loves that. But try to do that at Unadilla. <laughs> You'll have every goggle guy, no man, offense, man every tire yeah. guy, every mechanic, every man friend, girlfriend, journalist. Everyone will be bummed. Right? You know, right. it's just it's a different world, and it's neat to try on a, a different form of racing or a different way of doing things. You know, the other thing I noticed, the announcers stopped talking in between motos. There was nothing. It was dead silence. And then they had three different announcers. There was the, the Flemish guy, yeah. and then that, that great French announcer, and then um, the great U.S., or the British guy. Um, now what's his name? I don't know. I know who Dave King, or, who, 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 or Roy, Roger. Um, <laughs> I'll think of it. I know he listens to your podcast. I apologize, but yeah, the the, the British guy I thought was the best. Um, but three different announcers, so it took thirty seconds to get to the British guy to say, <laughs> "Oh, and Barsh is in a fence." Right. <laughs> Chuck Sun so, lifted. Chuck Sun is out there. Yeah, uh, and uh, so a lot of the things they did over there, I, I I liked. I think it would be hard to implement them here. Right. I, I know they're getting rid of that green fence. I thank think so. God. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't think a lot of people will be down on that. But then they get to do what we do, which is chase people around with those yellow cherby stakes and try to explain. It's not really cutting, but please stay in between them. And, you know, <laughs> right, right. it's a moving target. Uh, Weege, what do you think of it? You know, obviously, you're, you're the TV announcer for the Outdoor Series. What do you think of Ralph and Fro doing it off a monitor? No, they did a pretty good job. And, and that was weird how they had to put that show together. I was talking to Fro about it. You know, they were there at, I think, 2.30 or 3 in the morning Pacific, which is basically when the race would be starting in uh, California. And then it was both, it wasn't quite live. You know, it was a 90-minute show, so you can't quite fit all the moto. It's how they put that together, uh, and honestly, I don't think they even really knew exactly how they were going to tackle it until they did. Um, I think they did a pretty good job. Plus, it's something that you don't normally have to deal with. Um, that race has to be the hardest race to cover uh, from a TV standpoint, because in any other motocross race, the guy who's winning the race is the star of the race. 
But in this situation, you have, say, Marcus Schiffer trying to get seventh or eighth in a moto, and that is super critical. Never before is a seventh-place finish going to be that important. Or Blake Baggett, you know, gets a bad start, and he's trying to work his way through, and he's in 14th, but that 14th is very relevant. So you're trying to follow two riders on each team, and let's say there's four or five teams that are in it. Yeah. That's like eight or ten riders in one race, and all on different parts of the track and different bikes. It's, it's got to be exceptionally hard to figure out what's going on. That's why it almost became easier for me to do the math here than it was for you to do it at the track. Right. Because in that environment, trying to figure out all those things that are going on. Right. Like, for example, the TV people thought when Van Horbeek's bike broke in the second moto, they're like, that's it, Germany has it. There's no way Belgium can win. The United States is a problem with Barsha. It's done. But Van Horbeek's bike blowing up just became their throwaway. And Belgium was still very much in it going into the third moto. In fact... Um, Germany still needed to hold it together. But it's hard. I think there's so much going on to keep track of all that, especially compared to a normal race where, you know, often a guy just holds shots and wins, and that's the whole story. Yeah. Oh, yeah, good point. There's a lot of subplots. Exactly. And, yeah, yeah. And the, uh, the, the surprise of the day, I think, was, to me, the number of times, Davey, the live announcers announced that CBS, this race was on CBS Sports in America. Really? <laughs> I'm like, wow, guys, I got it. But I don't think anybody, any of these Belgiums, Really know what you're talking about right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, the uh, the uh, I, it is on again on Sunday night, which I think is really cool. They're going to do a yeah. re-air. So if anyone missed it, uh, 10 p.m. on CBS Sports Sunday night. Um, um, and I'm looking forward to watching it because I want to see how it looked and if it if it was as as you know strange and and surreal watching on TV because I, I I had the good fortune of being there. And I wouldn't change that for the world. Win or lose, if you ever get a chance to go to the destinations in yeah. Europe, it is a, a phenomenal event and a lot of fun. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, it was – Jason's right. You know, there, there's so much going on, so many numbers, and no one knows really anything. And also the track was really comparably short to, to what we usually have here in the States. So there was a, there was a lot going on. Uh, for sure. Um, before we wrap this up, uh, Davey, give me your, your biggest surprise rider. I mean, we knew Caroli was fast. We know Hurlings was fast. But there's somebody else or something else that caught your eye uh, that you were totally surprised on. Uh, Max Noggle uh, yep. was really fast early on. And 10L Leoc was really fast later on. Um, but I I still have to say that, that, that Caroli, <laughs> it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a, yeah, right. a transcendent uh, <laughs> right ride on his part because I was among the many, many, many people who really thought that Hurlings would walk. And because uh, I still think Hurlings is, his sand riding skills for a 17 year old are just ridiculous. Right. And um, so, yeah, that, 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 was, that was a big surprise to me. And I, like I said, happy for Tony, happy for Germany. Um, yeah, I, I agree. I thought I thought I did think that Caroli would win, though. I want to just be on the record as that. I I, I I can't get much more respect for that guy. My my thinking is uh, Goche Paulin, who caught and passed Ryan Dungey in that first moto and took off and actually had the fastest lap time in that second moto. Oh wait, the first moto, the very first moto, the MX one, MX two. Goche Paulin, he he struggled a bit in the third moto, but uh, and he won a moto in France last year to the surprise of myself and. I'm going to say Goche Paulin. Won a moto in uh, 09. Won a moto in 09 over. Remember, he tried to take Tedesco out in the final moto. Like, he's. Oh, yeah. There's certain guys that seem to rise 
for that event. He's definitely one of them. Yep. Yeah, that was, that was Phil Parts who tried to take him out. You oh, Colin won the second moto. That's right. He was in the yeah, yeah. class. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, uh, Mathis, should be happy to know that Jake Canada yes. is, num- is number 23. Wow, that's pretty good. That's solid for Jake. What a year. And, and Canada. And Canada. Well, <laughs> uh, it's all we can take because, you know, as I, as I heard from many, many people on the, in Belgium, where is, your, where is your team? How is your team doing? Ha, 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 ha. So, um, yeah, thanks. Thanks to everybody for that. Um, that's going to help me fill out my application to be a citizen here real quickly. Uh, Weege, what about hey, you? Let me ask a few yeah. bench racing things right. um, that, that I'm wondering about, not having been there, and other people are too, uh, probably, I would imagine. Varsha uh, obviously rode very well, um, but obviously there were a few moments where he maybe tried too hard. I mean, Hurlings came from stuck in the gate to catch and pass everyone, Barsha being the last one in their race on Saturday, and then Barsha eventually went in the fence, and they had that incident with uh, the Diker. Were people pumped on Barsha's performance? Because to me, from the outside, it looked like, hey, what can you say? He probably rode the best of the three. He definitely wasn't the weak link. He was as good as you could ask. Or were people like, this dude needs to calm down. He's potentially blowing it. He's a wild <laughs> child. What was the, the feeling about Barsha's performance? Davey? I, I, I think that he rode exactly like Barsha does here and, and just falls to the wall, is wide open, yeah. over-revving. Uh, and and uh, I think everyone was impressed by him. I, 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 gotcha. I know that uh, you, know, you could second-guess that pick, uh, but I, I think he held up his end of the bargain as, as best he could. And, uh, you know, I, I just don't think you can pin it on any one of those three guys. It was just, it was just not their day. And I was one of those guys who second-guessed that pick. Um, I thought maybe Michael Alessi deserved to go. But having said that, Alessi wouldn't have made a difference like we talked about. And he got first human in that third moto because Caroli and Hurlings weren't human out there. <laughs> and also, in talking to the Honda guys, first moto, in his collision with the Diker, he knew his front wheel was jacked up. And he backed it down and played it smart and wasn't ag- as aggressive as he could be. And when you look at the lap times, the last four laps, he's told those guys, okay, I guess I felt like it was going to hold together. I felt like I was okay. He picked his times back up. That's smart racing. That's, I mean, the incident with the Diker was, you know, unfortunate, but the smart, smart racer in Barsha came out. And then, of course, so then I thought he did as good as he could do with a damaged wheel. And in that third moto, like I said, first human, first human. So uh, Justin was a surprise and was, uh, was very good. Yeah. Yeah, he could have. Potentially without a wheel problem, he could have been 3-3 three, three or 2-3. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, that would have been impressive. My other question I want to ask is, now that we know this track makes such a difference, such a game changer, do you start running through mythical bench races in your mind of what if Carmichael had met these guys or what if Carmichael and Everts had met on a track like this? Because obviously it's different than most of the measuring sticks we've seen. This is a totally different animal. I mean, is it reset things and make you wish that we had – what if James Stewart was there? Like guys that you know are really good in sand in a totally different environment. What do you think about that, Davey? Is it like, man, we never got to see RC against Everett on a track like this? What would have happened? Would it be hard well, to predict? You know, don't Zolder was not like Lomo because I doubt any place on the world is like Lomo. But RC, yeah. you know, was every bit the 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 is, is comparable in the sand that he had to race on against Everett's. Um, you know, in 1981, nobody thought the Americans were going to win. In 2012, no one thought the Americans were going to lose. Uh, it, it just, it, the, the, the track never changed. 
You know, just everything around it changed. And, and I don't think you can go back and, 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 and hash it out and think, how, how would this be different? Uh, you know, how would it be different if it hadn't rained in Fox Hills? You know, how would it have been different if, uh, you know, we, we, we send, um, you know, Carmichael, you know, Carmichael doesn't get hurt at Matterly Base or at Glen Helen before Matterly Basin in 06. Does Everts win that race or does, does Carmichael put it to him? You know, does Stewart go out and race against Carmichael and forget about Everts and pull away, or does Everts beat them all? That's why it's called bench racing. I I think you you can think woulda, shoulda, coulda, but, you know, all you can do is line them up and race. And if you can't, then that's what we do. That's what <laughs> right. the forums are for. That's what podcasts are for. That's what, that's what bench racing is for. So, you know, I, I don't think this changes anything other than the fact that for the first time in eight years, someone else gets the Peter Chamberlain Cup. So you don't get to put it in teams' trucks and carry it around and make a video of, of it. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't let, they don't let anyone take it anymore. They keep it in, in Geneva at the FIM. Oh, And, and I don't know if it's yeah, because right. we made that video. Or I, I think it was. Good job. Way to go, Coombs. <laughs> hey, Mathis, don't worry about it. I doubt it's going to be in Canada anytime soon. Oh. So, nor will the Stanley Cup, apparently, but oh, that, that's I, another yes. story. Thanks a lot. Thanks for that. That's good. Um, but you, you do have the Grey Cup. <laughs> Thank you. Very good. I'm impressed with you even more. Um, anything else, Weege? Any other questions? No, no. I think I think okay. I'm good. I'm just uh, just just jealous. I didn't experience it. I'm yeah, sure it was awesome. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. a great time. And like Davey said, win or lose, everyone needs to go to motocross nations. I feel and experience it. And and it's a different event in Europe than it is in America. For whatever reason, more countries. You know, more people from all over travel. So you see all sorts of different people there. Um, going to motocross nations in Europe is special. No doubt about it. And, and, and you know what? It was special at Bud's Creek in 07. It was special at Thunder Valley. And I look forward to uh, Glen Helen in 2015. I, I look forward to going to all the destinations. It's, it's that good of an event. Absolutely. All right. Well, thanks, guys, for doing the uh, BTOsports.com Racer X podcast. Uh, Davey Coombs, Jason Wygant. Thanks, guys. Thanks. See you guys. All right, Steve. See you. See Thanks for listening to this episode of The Steve Mathis Show. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to find the more than 200 episode archive or get the Pulp MX app for your iPhone for the complete Pulp MX fix.